Hey everyone, and welcome to Dying to Talk with Mike Perillo. I'm your host, Mike Perillo. I know, right? Shocker. Uh, episode two, we got Connor Bond, professional actor, friend of ours here at Dying Industry Films. Very insightful conversation. Very fun conversation the two of us had. I learned a lot, and I enjoyed having this chat with him, and I'm sure you will too. So let's get right to it. Okay, after that very strange and weird technical difficulty. Technical difficulty. Uh, we are here with the one and only Connor Bond. How you doing, Connor? I'm good. I'm back on the mic. You're back Baby. on the mic. We, You know what's crazy? We just learned something about our own equipment because I didn't know that microphone did that. That you have to loosen it? That I feel like if you, tw- I don't know, like you twist it, it just like locks unlock maybe it's like child safety but for microphones not sure what the technical advantage is to stop children from making podcasts yeah i thought we were done i thought the whole show was done but all it was was just a twist to the left are there any children podcasts i don't know i don't think i'd want to listen to children talk (laughs) i don't even think people want to listen to me talk um how are you though how are you doing you're doing good everything's fine yeah um yeah, I guess let's see. We were talking about living living in a different place than sort of the main uh, hub of your of your career. Yeah, um, which which I think has been very fruitful and very uh, eye opening for me. Definitely, I mean, because I think I think you get very obsessed with the way that things should go. Yeah, yeah, in your life, yeah. especially when you're in when you're in like the industry and you're, you're surrounded by that industry. Um, so moving up here has been a, a real lifesaver. Absolutely. And that, well, that was, you know, that was a really interesting way to put that. Cause that's something I want to dive into a little bit later on. But what I would like to do for my guest right now, yep. Connor Bond is an actor who we had in a feature film that we cannot talk, we about, talk about because it is not about. out yet. Uh, we met him over the summer. Actually, Miles knew you before we knew you, but it's funny because what I was saying earlier is that your name was always like tossed around, sure, and you were kind of just like this, like anomaly, like Connor, Connor. This, I'm like, what does this guy look like? And I'm not gonna lie, in my head, I'm like, he's got to be a ginger because like Connor. I don't know why I thought that. It's an Irish. And then I meet, I meet you, and I'm like, oh, you're like not saying that gingers aren't normal people. That came out wrong. I was like, oh, okay, he has brown hair, but uh, yeah, we. I'm wearing a green shirt. You are wearing a green shirt. Yeah. And green socks, and, kind of. Yeah, it was like forest. Foresty. Socks. Very foresty. Um, but yeah, we that my I met you during pre production for that feature at the table read. Yeah. And I was after the table read with Callista, Amber, and you, I was like, We this is our cast right here. And if it's not, yeah, then I, I, love, I don't want to do it. it. it was, I love it was the people that showed up just to do the table read. Yeah. Were the people Absolutely. Were well, one, because it's like, you know, like it just it was it just had a natural like yeah no this is it this yeah. is right this is this is what's gonna go down um but yeah that's and it's funny because you mentioned like maybe on the second to last day or something that you actually met us dying industry films at illuminated oh God, like yeah. a year previously yes yes and you guys were doing the the stella yell yeah competition the, the stella yell streetcar named desire deep cut it's very controversial uh a contest a lot of people are not happy about how they placed yeah <laughs> i swear to god wait so the 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 abusive uh protagonist um part was not what people were upset about yeah no, i know right it you was would think it's like well i should have came in first it wasn't stanley kowalski it was the yeah it was the i should have won i should have won <laughs> well not really um 
long story short, Kara's father, he should have won, honestly. I think he did the best, but I was like, we can't give it to my girlfriend's dad. That's yeah. nepotism. But then we go, Miles and Spencer go ahead and but give it. But then you put him in the movies. So. Yeah, we put him in the feature. We did. <laughs> we go ahead and my I didn't have a say. For those of you out there that are listening and want to know the, the story behind the Stella Yell, Miles and Spencer, I believe, picked the winners. And it just so happened to be that the people that they picked weren't there when we announced the winners. So we just kept moving up the list. And yeah, like, yeah, because you guys did. I, I would have done it, but you guys did it at the end of the day. And yeah. I had to I had to go somewhere else. It was funny because it was a cool T-shirt. It was. We cool didn't design t-shirt. it. Dave DeLeo had it designed. Was it he just was, Brando? It was like Brando. It was something there. like that. It was like a white with black. Like yeah. I placed second. I pl- and then somebody got like a poster. It's and two out of the three people that ended up winning, we knew. So, yeah. Uh, it was an inside job, but, um, yeah, that's how we met <laughs> and we've been homies ever since we've, I've got to see you do some improv at serious comedy theater and beacon. And that's something I definitely want to talk about a little bit later, but let's start yeah. with our favorite segment. Whose pants are these? Whose pants are these? Uh, mystery pants. Mystery pants got these at a vintage store. Oh. Um, needed some, I wanted like some black pants. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I was in an era of blue jeans. Uh huh. And I was tired of it, and I was like, I can't wear my eyes are blue. And yeah. you know about uh, headshots or, or or being an actor on film, um, the color that you wear always should complement or set off your eyes. Yeah, I'm speaking very vainly ne- right now. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of blue shirts. So I had too many blue pants, and you can't just do blue on blue can't. all the time. So I bought these black jeans. Black jeans, They're vintage, vintage yeah. little baggy. Yeah, a little Let's bag go. to it. Those are nice. I'm wearing um, I'm wearing some uh, some Gap khakis. This Gap is a khakis. desert khaki colorway. Yeah, they're a little uh, snug. Not my preferred uh, style. More of a straight fit. These are slim fit. I don't know. I was feeling skinny today. Are those good for skateboarding? Not. They are. I like to skate in like really baggy pants, just cause I got I kind of got a big a caboose. Yeah. So. Me too. Yeah, it just be that thing be moving. Anyway, that concludes whose pants are these. All right, let's get into this thing. So, um, I have no idea where you're from. Where are you from originally? Whose pants are these? I'll, I'm gonna come up with a song. Absolutely. Yeah. Whose pants are these? We can get um, Carlo. We can get decent colors to write something for us. <laughs> so, where are you from, Connor? I forgot. Uh, I'm from Portland. From Portland, Oregon. You're from Portlandia. Portlandia. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Which, speaking of video games, uh-huh. I also was checking out Tony Hawk Pro Skater N64 and uh-huh. noticed that they had Portland. They had Burnside. Yeah, they, they do. Burnside. Very famous spot. Which, Have Burnside. you ever been there in person? Of course. Oh, yeah, sweet. I'm from there. I mean, Burnside was like, I mean, it's, it is wall-to-wall dispensaries now. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid, it was bookstores, like little artisan you know portland local shops yeah. and uh head shops and like and there was there were, before there were dispensaries there there was before you know, there was drugs there was, pipe there was community corner <laughs> but it was great it, it really there was always like music musicians busking on the sides of the of the street it just it felt like so alive um uh-huh. and i don't know i don't know if portland is quite the same as it was when i was when a was kid. the last time you were like there everybody moved away Everybody moved away, and a lot of people moved there. There was that joke about, like, stop telling your friends to move to Portland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did sort of... I feel like when I go there that there's not a lot of people that are really from there as much mm-hmm. anymore. Um, or at least, you know, growing up in the 90s in Portland, it's it's hard to keep that going. 
the 90s in Portland. That's cool, Portland. though. That it could be the, cool. Yeah. That does sound pretty cool. And and you got you started acting out in Portland. Did you begin your? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my my dad was a videographer for PBS, uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting, and my dad used to. <laughs> so I never wanted to write um, book reports. Mm-hmm. So instead, because my dad had an entire television studio at my disposal yeah and nobody was ever there on the weekends i would write scripts and we would go to my dad's television studio and we'd shoot little short films and i'd like cast all my friends in in them um so i did like fahrenheit 451 i did lord of the flies i did one for like a psychology class um yeah and they were there my dad would shoot them he would edit them i would direct them Really, um, I think that's sort of where, yeah, where I sort of started that's getting the bug. For I didn't know that. Kid. That's, I mean, that could never happen. But in today's stand, no, oh, get your kid out of this studio. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's it was, cool. It was really wonderful, and, and I spent so much time sitting there watching my dad edit. How old? How old are you? I would go. I went to France with him once because um, he was shooting a French language series. I was, I mean, this was since I was a kid. I think he got the job there, literally the year I was born. Oh, fire! So you, from um, the jump. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would go spend time with him at the studio. So I was just sort of always around. I, I remember the, the switch from, um, you know, whatever it would have, the analog. Analog or digital? Editing to like Avid. Like really? When he switched to Avid and he was all upset about having to, oh, I got to learn this whole new system. Would he edit, like when you guys would shoot stuff, would it, would he cut it? Like physically, like do it? with tape or was it digital no no it wasn't that but there were these you know the huge machines oh, okay with all yeah, the, yeah the big reels that you had to so as a little kid that was probably like the coolest thing in the world yeah you're probably like in school like yo connor's got a television studio. in all honesty it got a, it got a lot more boring to watch because really there would be all this you know things happening on all these machines i don't know what any of them did but then when it switched to avid it's just him sitting at a computer yeah and then i'm just sitting there you know, I learned a lot about editing watching him do this, but it was not as interesting as all the big whirly gigs and yeah and buttons and dials. I I mean I used to you know, used to play like spaceships with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if, if having buttons and dials now it does feel cool. It's like, cool. You feel like you're Captain Kirk. Yeah. Sometimes sitting in front of a keyboard I just feel like a a goon, you know, just Yeah, I think there's something about having having something that suggests imagination as opposed to just gives you everything stimulating you right in front of you wow. like a video game or something like that like that's this, profound as hell like man. the screensavers on my dad's computers at work were yeah. the remember the like the like star the like moving through space yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like i used to sit for hours and just play star trek or something in front of those and it wasn't a video game i was just no, no. it was just a screensaver for the imagination damn yeah that's that is and, so cool. And I'm, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about, about where we're heading. And if we have too much access to just things that we can see visually and we don't have that room to maybe For bring imagination. ourselves to it, bring our own imagination yeah. to it. Yeah. I think it depends because with generation now, like, yeah, everything is available to them at the uh, touch of a screen, but yeah. it, it I mean, a lot of it can go to parenting. Like, your dad sat there and helped you out, took the time to let you and your friends make all this stuff, right? Like, right. he easily could have said no. Right. 
And yeah, what's even easier, <laughs> yeah, it's all extra work for him, but he wanted to do it. What's even yeah, easier now it. for parents, and I see it all the time, they just throw the iPhone in front of them. Here, here, like yeah. play with this. Yeah. So it's really up to the parent, I think, especially at a young age, because you were introduced to technology at a young age yeah. and advanced technology too. Like I don't know how to do a lot of stuff in a TV studio with all my experience. Like, And your dad took the time to show you all this stuff. So you, you obviously not only had a technical understanding, you still had room for the imagination yeah with iphones and ipad babies it's like for every brain rotting youtube video exists mm-hmm. there's probably 10 or 15 educational youtube videos for every candy crush there's yeah. a duolingo so what we could see and again it goes it does rely on the parents in charge is like you, you still do have to put in the time to don't let the iPhone raise your kid because yeah. then you're going to grow up. Your kid's going to grow up with weird ass eyes and is going to need glasses, which is like another phenomenon. So you did that and you, what you did all throughout like elementary school, middle school. Did you yeah, do theater? Actually, well, actually, yeah, I, I started doing theater because my sister did dance okay. and, uh, they used to like throw me into ballets when I was a kid. Oh, like I was in, I remember she was the lead in a, a ballet called Capella and they they you know they always needed guys to to sort of be there in these scenes and and they would partner me with some of the dancers and I was terrible I would I, I would almost waltz them off stage oh and to the point where uh, she would just have to lead I remember getting off stage once and she was just <sighs> and I was like oh are you, are you okay <laughs> you're trying to kill me yeah <laughs> it was just like oh it's fine it's fine uh and I, we got like, like really close to the edge of the stage um so yeah, I was always just being thrown into these things. My uh-huh. my mom and my sister were always taking dance classes, and I would go with my little portable white TV and sit in the hallway and watch The Simpsons and in black and white. Um, so I was just always around that stuff. Yeah, I grew yeah. up playing jazz saxophone. I thought I was going to be a jazz musician. For I didn't a even long know time. you played the saxophone. Yeah, damn. Not I mean not as much as I as I would like to anymore, but I do pull it out occasionally. And <laughs> Pull out the sax. Hell yeah, yeah. That's what's up. I, I I did I did pick the saxophone because it was sexy. Yeah, it is. I played the trombone in elementary school. That is not sexy. Yeah, at all. I played the clarinet. And I was just like, I gotta get out of this. I, didn't even I get gotta to find this. something. Else. I actually wanted to be in drum drumline, but I auditioned in elementary school for drumline. Thought I didn't get it. Get like picked to be in drumline. Yeah. I've been like five weeks into like drumline rehearsal. The band teacher was like, hey, I'm kicking you out because you never showed up to a rehearsal. I was oh, like, no. I didn't even know I was, what? He was like, but I, you could play a trombone. I was like, wait, let me be in, dr-. he was like, no, you're out. And I'm like, okay. That was like my first introduction, like Whiplash, you know? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiplash, phenomenal film. Um, not quite my tempo. Yeah. So was your mother a uh, like theatrical person or she just, because she, your yeah, sister did? Yeah, she always did. grew up okay. in the arts. You know, she did choir and and uh, her big thing was that she always made costumes for us. Oh, which was okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, she would, in high school, she was the costumer and she did these incredible color palettes, these incredible, um, it just everything felt like it was it was all part of the show. You yeah. Know, like you can do costumes for something and just be like, yeah, okay, you put this on, you put th- this on. But when she would do costumes, it just, it looked unified. It looked yeah. like. She took the time. Yeah. To, like, it looked really like a professional did that. Gotcha. And she was she was incredible at that. Um, she just had a really good eye. She had a really good eye for color, and a lot of creativity. Um, so I think 
I think the combination of those two parents made me feel like I had a lot of support to to really pursue this. Like I've never had any sort of, hey, what are you doing with your life? Maybe you should try and figure that out or like get a real job kind of conversation from my parents. I've just never, anytime I'm struggling, yeah, yeah. they're always just like, well, I think you're doing great. Just keep going. Yeah. That's that's and amazing. I, that is incredible. That's hard to find for like I mean obviously parents want to be protective of their child and they always want to make sure they're doing okay and um from my side of the coin like my none of my family come from a artsy or any sort of background in the arts so I always get met with the opposite but that mm. having that support at a young age I mean you're that's quite literally the community is your family at that point cuz yeah. you have your dad showing you how to edit and shooting all your little short films for class. And then you transition to doing stage. And now you have your sister and your mother and it's just you and your sister. You just have, yeah, just okay. sister, yeah. And, um, and like, my parents were like the stage manager, the parents. cool parents. Yeah. yeah. They, and they weren't like, neither of them were any sort of stage parent in that sense. Uh, they were just so supportive. They were driving us everywhere for any sort of performance or, or arts, you know, music or dance activity. And they were just always involved. They were just always around, and and they, I think they, they they liked the idea of us sort of as a unit, yeah, going out there and 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 being a part of the arts. Absolutely, that's like that's incredible. That's what all you could ask for. That's really all any like artist could ask for. Like that's so cool to have. Like you you have a unit with you. You have your family, not only supporting you, they're backing you up. Yeah. They're making you better. They're making you – you can learn so much from your sister, your father, your mother at any point in your life, even still now probably, I'm yeah. assuming. They still live out in Oregon or no? Yes. My sister lives in – my sister went to school for dance in Las Vegas, um, and now she's married, and, and they have a niece. I, uh, I have a niece. They have a daughter. <laughs> they have um, a niece. <laughs> shout out to Leona. Hey. Um, and my parents are still in, in Oregon, yeah. So what made you trek all the way out here to New York? Being an actor, I went to grad school, and so I went to school in Portland, and then I went to grad school in Southern California. Mm. UC Irvine's Zot Zot. Um, that's the aunt. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've seen you do it before. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had showcase, and then I came out to New York City and did that for like six years, and then made my way up to the Beacon area here and. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 in sort of that same sense, I, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for like community support, my parents, people saying like keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going, because um, I probably would have, you know, confidence is something that we all struggle with, and I, I think mm-hmm. I think I could have easily given up. Yeah, years and years ago. Yeah, we, everybody struggles that with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I live on the foundation that the community and family support it's it's a lot i don't think it's everything i know there's plenty of people that probably don't have it and still thrive but that's definitely a a huge playing card is having full family support like that's beautiful i i I love hearing stuff like that like that i didn't even know i didn't know much about i know you had a sister and obviously i'm assuming you have parents because you're a human being you exist but um i didn't know that that's pretty interesting (laughs) what are you laughing at no, I have to do that to myself. I'm, I'm going to be, I have to edit this and I have to make sure I don't sound stupid. No. <laughs> what was your college experience like? Um, and you majored in, what was your major? Uh, 
uh, drama, and then I had a music minor because of the saxophone thing, mm-hmm. and then and then I would got my master's degree in in acting. And what? Yeah, like, ta- was there any like anything that particularly like stuck out throughout the? Um, that was like your first. I mean, so was there uh, a difficulty or just like a adapting to the transition of like hometown? your family is like your group and now you go off to college on your own. Like what was that like? Yeah, for I was you? panicked. I, when, so right through there was the saxophone thing and then acting started becoming a part of my life. And in high school, it was like the first time I really under, started to understand that there was like a theory behind it all mm-hmm. that you could, you could really, you know, and you've, I know you've been taking acting classes recently. So I have the theory of acting has yeah. been fresh on your mind. And I was so panicked about going to college that I literally just had paralysis. I couldn't decide where to go. I couldn't decide what to do. I couldn't decide where to apply. And my Uh dad literally had to sit me down and go, okay, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do music? Do you want to do theater? And um, so I ended up going to University of Portland, and I had this wonderful acting teacher named Mindy Logan, um, who was just the crown jewel of that program um and that's that's when i really started to be put in this world of like oh wow i'm I'm, uh, this is what it's like to be like present this is what it's like to um sort of dig into uncomfortable emotions to dig into parts of yourself that you need for characters and for to tell stories yeah um and that was yeah that was that was challenging especially when you're like a young guy who's like not quite sure why they're doing this or, or, you know, where it's going. Um, I don't think I had a lot of expectations behind it besides the fact that this is just what I had always done. This is what my family, we grew up doing and I always really enjoyed it. And it always, I didn't really think that much about it. And then when I had to now make it like a career thing, there felt like there was all this, suddenly this pressure on it. Mm -hmm. It suddenly became this, uh, again, like an expectation. Once you start to like put the expectation on it, it was just like, well, now this has to be a thing that makes you money, or this yeah. has to be a thing that people like mm. you doing, and not just a thing that you you do because you have this community that enjoys doing it. Yeah, that is um, from what I've uh, viewed uh, for a lot of people, myself, and even when I talk to my girlfriend about it, the um, high school to college transition mm-hmm. for a lot of actors, musicians, artists is terrifying and uh, unfortunately a lot of people i mean think about it michael how many people do we do all these shows with that aren't even anywhere close adjacent to like doing anything film television whatever um it is definitely scary for me it was the opposite i was like oh i have to make money i have to try to make money off this i'm not doing it that's why i quit (laughs) that's literally why i quit acting i was like i can't there's no way this is not going to happen this is not going to work and it wasn't until the pandemic when i was like Okay, life is very finite. Maybe I should just give this a shot. Yeah. Who cares? Fuck it, we ball. That's what I always say. Fuck it. Um, yeah, and I feel like, especially with uh, acting, mm-hmm. college, like you still have to audition, and now there's all these other contenders. You're being put with people that are just as good as you from their high school. Oh yeah. And some people the comparison starts. Can't happening. yeah, that shit starts crossing through your mind. And me I never like did that because I was just like it's high, I'm like it's high school. I never thought like I was good enough regardless and I still won't. That's my like, you know, 
kryptonite, I guess. Um, so that's what steered me away. But again, you had that family support, so you still were able to like. There was no way. Not saying that I know your parents well, but just from what you're, there's no way they'd just be like, okay, then just don't do it. Like, you know what I mean? They're gonna yeah. nudge you through because they obviously they took the time to literally invest in you to get you to where you had to go. And then they kick you right where you had to go. And then boom, here you are on yeah. my couch. And then anytime I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. They're just like, well, keep going. Keep going. That's all. You, yeah. I mean, that's literally, <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean, you don't, if we watched a movie right now about a, a hero, like Lord of the Rings, yeah, whole franchise, they're just walking somewhere. They're just getting somewhere. <laughs> it's just a if story they decided, if they decided, I can't do this. Let's turn around. Franchise is done. Yeah, franchise is dead. Yeah, the journey, destination. Journey. Who fucking knows? I don't think. Uh, and like you've touched on it before, we have the technical difficulties. Like, uh, focus on focusing on like where I have to go, where I have to go. It has to be like this. Has to be like that. Life doesn't work out like that. Yeah, a lot of people graduate high school, move on to college, expect to be the lead and everything, and then they expect right. to walk right on to Broadway or walk right into Warner Brothers Studios and go, "I'm here." It doesn't work like that, and some people there can't accept that, and yeah. there a lot of people quit in that moment. It's it's kind of like you're you're quite literally being sifted through, like yeah. one by one, people are falling by the wayside. But you trek through it. You went all the way to get your master's. Yeah, and you hold on to the things that make you feel alive or you hold on to the things that remind you why you started doing this why you had fun doing this in the first place you know like i didn't want to write book reports yeah and i think that very much translates to my life now i i, I didn't want to have like a boring full-time job no, yeah so who wants to do like, that who wants to be no, an I accountant wanna, i want to find like a, a crazy yeah who wants to be an accountant i'm, I'm sure some people do um Accounts but are great. yeah that that like expectation thing that really sits on you and and you know eats away at your confidence and eats away at what you think that your life should be yeah um that like i've been teaching improv a lot recently up in beacon and a lot of what i've been teaching is like the relationship between narrative how we think a scene should go and yeah. game the thing that we're actually presently having fun doing yeah yeah and i i we've been working on on trying to translate some of this into a more teaching environment for like, you know, say like a corporate setting or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff in the performing arts, improv, acting, music that, that people do this because they're not getting something from just showing up and, and doing a job and making money. Yeah, absolutely. It, it couldn't say it better. Um, the improv thing definitely yeah I find because again too, when I was younger I never took anything serious because I was always worried about us being judged and I didn't want to be looked at as like oh look at Mike trying you yeah. know um, which is ironic because I joined the football team and then get literally put on my ass every two seconds which is probably more embarrassing than me taking improv class um, You're so, I, I think you would be so good at improv I took it in in college and my improv teacher really didn't like me, so my first experience of it. <laughs> so it's a I mean, scarred experience. But improv alone, like that is a that even though it's like it's a performance, right? And like you said, there's so many people outside of the creative world that do have that expectation. Mm -hmm. 
and they can't adapt to like the tiniest little thing throws them in for a loop. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? It's like, fuck it. You got to think on the fly. And through improv, through especially for me, through professional wrestling, it's just like, whatever. Fuck, like, I'll yeah. figure it out. Here we go. Yes, and zip zap. Like, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I, I'm like watching improv and I'm or doing it. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is the point of all this? But then, yeah, some random moment in life happens. And then you immediately are able to find a solution without thinking about it. And you're like, how did I even get here? It's like, oh, yeah, improv. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really been like letting go of how you think the thing should yeah. go, which, which again connects to this idea of narrative of like, if you start a scene, um, you know, two people in an office talking about like, Hey, did you get my email? Yeah. The scene needs to become about anything else. But that email, but what, yeah, but what the yeah. narrative event is. Whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the narrative, narrative event at the beginning of the scene is almost irrelevant. Yeah. What is important is what's happening between those two actors in that scene that they discover a fun ping pong thing. Yeah. And, and then, I've seen and that. And then the yeah. amazing move is then to take the game that you found and plug it back into the narrative yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. We've seen, we went to see uh, one of your shows at Serious Comedy Theater. We're allowed to plug them, right? Serious, serious Comedy Theater. Serious Comedy, comedy Theater in Beacon. Theater. Definitely in check Beacon, them out. York. And when you were like, when you said it's a musical improv show, I was like, no fucking way. Y'all are about to, uh, no way. And then oh. the whole show, I'm like, oh shit, they really did that. Like that, that was a chaotic is crazy. Yeah. That you guys, even with song are still able to like do yeah. all that. That's impressive. Oh, musical improv is great. I could never, like I could do regular improv. Like if you have me, I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes I'll sing and dick around in the shower, but. Um, quite literally taking her out in the shower. Yeah, no, like <laughs> seeing that live, you're 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 not worried about what the audience is thinking. You're not even worried about what you're what you yourself are thinking about yourself. You're letting go yeah. and just and just letting the natural flow of it happen. And that's definitely something that uh, a, a skill that's constantly being honed through every experience that you, you've had. Yeah. Did you um? Back to so after college, New York, you mm-hmm. moved to the city. What was that like for you? Because you're kind of the only like New York Ooh. City actor that I like know on like a you know more friend basis. I mean, I know people, but like yeah. I never so, really got to pick the brain of a right. So working we've had actor. and we've had the. I mean, yeah the 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 life of an actor has gotten has gotten complicated by, of course, it, you know everyone's lives got very complicated by the pandemic, but. You know, then also we just had the SAG strike. So we've had two different instances where that industry has been shut down. And so for the people that are really trying to work their way into that industry, build momentum, get people to know who they are, um, I, I would say it's been fairly tough. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but but it it's scary. Um, and, and so much is online now, so you're not even getting to look those people in the eye that yeah. are like, making these important decisions to you. Um, but when I was in the city, oh man, did I, I was terrified of auditioning. I used to, I used to walk out of auditions and just black out, meaning like I would be thinking about how the audition went, mm-hmm. just circling and circling, circling in my mind for probably like half hour to an hour. And I would just find myself like wandering midtown. I would just sort of come to and been like, oh man, I've just been walking. Well, I would really walk out of the hand. building and just, and just start speed walking and and only be living in that like five minutes in the room Mm. which again goes back to this thing about like 
the fun being sucked out and becoming all about expectation, all yeah. about just like, no, I need this to like do because well, it affects thing. your. It's gonna affect your audition because you know your yeah. your your wheels are spinning in your head before. Yeah. And one thing that again, I've never had an in person audition. I've only ever done things through Zoom, and I uh-huh. it sucks. The internet, yeah. like self tapes, it's horrible because I feel like I've learned a lot from self tapes, but I do definitely. Agree. There's a science behind self-tapes for sure. and Well, and I've learned so much about forcing myself, forcing, finding the joy in watching myself on camera again, uh-huh. I think came through doing self-tapes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because you have to. And you, yeah. when you go in the room, you don't get to see what it was that you did. You're just sort of like, nah, I don't know. Yeah. And it's nice because you get to connect with somebody and they get to see your personality and they get to you know build that trust with you. But I did gain a lot from doing and you know still continue to do self-tapes because mm. it forces you i went through a whole period where i just hated looking at myself and then it sort of became fun again to be like oh yeah um i can i can do this on camera i can do this on camera like ooh, that's that's different um and just getting to spend that time with yourself you know because uh, it's not like an instrument where you can really just sit down and like practice i mean you can practice acting but it just it doesn't have that culture around it where we expect you to practice six hours a day like we yeah you would in jazz yeah or you would as like a professional musician um it's sort of a lot of you sitting around waiting for an opportunity and that's why i think things like like doing improv or other offshoots of like what we might consider the expectation of a professional acting career are really important because it gives you the ability to practice yeah it gives you the ability to like use that creative that create the whole creative world that's in your head like we were talking about before yeah and um especially with acting like staying on top of that because a lot of it is you are waiting for the next opportunity and and most of what act the working actor does is submit audition repeat you know submit uh self-tape repeat and you don't hear back you don't hear nothing but you like you said you learn so much through that process yeah and not only um, are you getting more time behind the camera? You watch it back. It's like literally like how football players watch the game that they just had. It's like, yeah. oh, I gotta block this next time or whatever. Um, well, it's like the it's like the projects I was doing in in grade school. I wasn't doing. I wasn't making those. Of course, I always got an A because yeah. I made a short film. Yeah, <laughs> and so while, teachers were always while, like, "This is amazing." While somebody brought in a diorama with Lego figures. Yeah, or yeah, or the boring like book report thing, Ugh. which I probably could use more of that like writing side skill thing. But the point being that I wasn't making those short films to get an A. Yeah, you know, I mm-hmm. was making those short films because it was fun, mm-hmm. and I barely read. It. I also wasn't doing it because I loved the books so much. I would like read the books once and be sucks. like, "Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. It's close enough." Yeah, Catcher in the Rye. He's a, he's a baseball yeah, 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 player. Yeah, whatever. He's, set, he's depressed. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I just when I'm when I'm sitting in my living room uh-huh. you know, watching self tapes, I you know sometimes I get thirsty and oh. there's nothing like uh, you know something that's once cracked open, you know, no thirst is safe from None. liquid death after ritually dismembering its thirst victims. Yeah, what the fuck? Isn't it so cool? It is cool. It's it, badass. Put that on the side of the. Yeah, thing. that's so cool. Please, liquid death. Liquid death, please. Nah. So what liquid death tried to do was a an Arnold Palmer spinoff. 
Armless Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. This is Michael, Michael, everybody. They called it Liquid Death, called it Armless Palmer. Yeah. But um, the Arnold Palmer estate or whatever was going to sue them, like give them a cease and desist. So they changed the name to Dead Billionaire T to just kind of like throw it back. That's so funny. See, that's badass. That's good branding. It is good branding. And that's Liquid Death is a prime example of not giving a fuck at all. And that's why I fuck with that. Please give me Liquid free death. severed lime. Drink, drink it or they will sue you. All right. Anyway, back to the podcast. See, we did good, it. We did a, we little, did a free we did ad. A ad free ad. Maybe. Hell yeah. yeah. What were we talking about before that, that ad? Like I don't remember. Though. Yeah, weren't you on a podcast? Was I? I don't know. You're always doing some shit. I'm always man. doing something. Oh the oh yeah um the um the murder of Elma Sands there you go. Uh, by Allison Flom that uh-huh. is out on uh, I think it was. I don't know where it is on the history podcasts right now. Um, yeah, Allison Williams uh, uh, produced that as well. Um, yeah, we just had a launch party for that. I think there's six episodes. They're all out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast. Murder of Elma Sands. Yeah, I, I did a few voices in that. I've also got the whole uh, short film by uh, Frank Theodore that's out on YouTube right now. Um, it's been getting some some good, good the man views the on the old YouTube. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, I mean, coming coming up here, I just feel like I've done so many more projects and had so many more, um, so much more of a community than mm-hmm. I ever did in the city. And yeah. I just, you know, the 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 feature that we're not allowed to talk about, that we can't talk that about, we can't yeah. talk about, mm-hmm. um, was that that was the first feature I did where it was just me, you know, in the whole movie. You know, yeah. like I've done films before, but I'd never done something, you know, shooting for five weeks that much intensive character character work that much like responsibility to the script and it was just like i had a year when i was when i was in portland where i remember it was all theater but i was just going i I think i only had like a day off in between productions Uh between high school and like community productions and it was like one of the happiest years of my life because i was just doing the thing yeah i was just like i was so busy and my parents you know were always driving me around to different things and I would finish one project and then be like, Oh God, I have a day off. And then I immediately have to go into rehearsals for this other thing. But I just remember being so happy that, that that was all I was doing with mm. my, you know, with my free time. It was great. Um, and it, doing the film like really made me feel like I was in that again of, you know, I would like go work, you know, one of my little part-time jobs and then, come here and we'd shoot for four four and a half days yeah every week and it, i was just like man this is the you know and we were you know doing that whole thing on like no budget but i was just like man this is the life this is just so cool this this just feels yeah the this, community, it feels like yeah. i was getting together with my friends and making a, a i mean a, you were a book report you sure film. were we were making a book report yeah <laughs> um same for me too it and again can't talk too much on it but can't um talk it, can't talk about the can't talk um for us because we all did theater together in high school and that was the same deal every day after school for hours yeah in the same room doing the same th- you know doing our what we got to do did that for like three four years straight and then we graduated and then don't see each other yeah. until after the pandemic so th- getting to do the and again to especially where we filmed the movie here yeah. um i was i because i'd always wanted to film something in here when I was finally able to do it. It was amazing. And again, too, it, 
uh, like I like to like I talked with Ronnie on the last podcast. It's like it's it's a moment for yourself, but it's not a moment to hang your hat on because it, there's still yeah. so much further to go, and none of us are are unique at the end of the day. But the one thing you can't take away from any of us in this room and any of us that was involved in the features, like we're we're doing it. We're doing the thing that we care about. We're doing the thing that we're passionate about. There's so many people that talk about it, yeah. that have all these amazing ideas, but when it comes time to execute, they don't do it. And Or on the other side of the coin, there's so many people that want to be acting or photography or whatever and just uh, will do it once and then go, ah, oh, well, this was too hard. Nobody liked it. Eh, whatever. Fuck it. Like, What's the ex- expectation, expectation of I have to be doing this all the time in order for this to be relevant in my life? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like you do it when you can. That that has been that has been the greatest lesson of being an actor is it's it's you're going to be able to do it when you can. You might get fortunate enough, like I was in, you know, in Portland to do it for a full year straight. Um, you know, not to say that that wouldn't happen again, but just just that expectation thing of of I only have self worth unless I I only have self worth unless I. I'm doing this thing full time unless this is this is my life. I'm defined by this yeah. thing. And that's I'm, just like not why we do things. It's mm-hmm. not why we get into doing things. We just do the things because we like doing the things. Yeah. And you do them when you can. I wasn't like making short films as a kid every single day. I just, oh, I have to do this assignment. Um, yeah, yeah, there's so much downtime. There's like letting go of that. There's plenty, so e- except for maybe like Broadway stars that are doing five, six shows a week, like sure. especially but, in film. But I've, just talked to, I've talked to those people before too, you know, people on on Broadway, and I'm sure that's you know so fun. I've never done I've done Shakespeare in the Park, I've, but I've never done Broadway. Um, but you know, I'm sure there's people that are unhappy in that thing too. I mean, that that's a, that's Broadway is such an interesting thing because go, going through like an acting program, it was always just like, especially in musical theater, you know, the yeah. goal is always Broadway. I want to yeah. be in Broadway, Broadway. They and don't then, tell you about regional theater at all. Or national right. tours, and, or yeah, regional theater, national tours—they always feel like they're this, yeah, or this thing to get you to Broadway. And I think that was one of the most surprising things to me when I moved to New York City is that then I started meeting actors who were on Broadway, and they were just as, just as unsatisfied, unhappy with where they were, or looking to like, what's the next thing that I can do? This is just a job. Um, yeah. Again, that's not everybody, but yeah. that exists, and. You just forget to stop and enjoy the thing you're doing and remember why you did it in the first place. You know, make again, going back to this like narrative game thing, just like making like making it a game, making it this this playful, present interaction you have with the world around you for the short time that you get. I'm speaking of of being a working actor. Yeah. The strike. Yes. The strike. Something I throughout the whole strike now. I'm not an expert. I'm not in SAG. I'm not even an IATSE. Any, any, I'm not attached to any union. I have worked for IATSE, though, Local 52, and Kara is in 764. Shout out, Local 52. Um, so many people asked me, oh, like, what's what's really, like, the big deal with this whole, like, strike, man? Like, you don't think, like, Matt Damon has enough money? You don't think right. Tom Cruise has enough money? Like, why are they all complaining? It's like, well, person... That, and I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible person who doesn't know a fucking thing about something that they hear about on the news and they just garner an opinion of 
Um, and again, I'm not an expert on everything that happened and there's multiple sides to the writer strike sack, whatever. I was like, you know, I work in film, right? And they go, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, am I Bradley Cooper? Am I Matt Damon? No. Am I a millionaire? No. So do you understand that this affects me right. also? Oh, it's like, yeah, because of the strike, I'm used to working like maybe three or four union film jobs a year mm-hmm. every other month or whatever, making a lot of money. And then that this year, thankfully, floaters was the only thing I got to do this year mm-hmm. that there was one. And shout out to uh, Macy for getting me on that one. And shout out to Seth Green, too. What a cool guy. Oh, yeah. Um, and your golf cart. You and your golf cart. Me and Seth Green in the golf cart. That was yeah. such a fun day. But I was so used to working on these these jobs that were coming up here and, and my, getting hit up for stuff and, like, making a lot more money than I normally would. And then it's just this year none of it happened. And um, from the actor's perspective, there's so many people in SAG, and there's so many of them, yeah. like yourself, that rely on those those opportunities to, to come and go. You can make money. You can get exposure. You can do the thing. Yeah. And so many people just didn't understand how many people it affects because for every actor that it's affected by, there's a union grip, there's a union gaffer, there's yeah. art department people, there's teamsters, writer. It affects an entire industry. And it used to drive me insane that people would only ever, they take the Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and go, oh, like, I can't believe The Rock is complaining about not getting to make movies or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an example. Uh, your perspective and your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, you know, I guess if you go back to auditioning, yeah, that if you think about every role that's ever been cast, there was, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, a thousand other actors who have auditioned for these parts. Um, who didn't get the role and like what happened to all those people that didn't get their big break or didn't get the role in this film and was able to pay their health insurance um, I, I think it was just very revealing at how much money is being made especially in the film industry now which has largely become you know films made by a committee Yeah, doesn't feel like there's a lot of filmmaking going on a lot of, there's not a lot of like film theory going on anymore yeah People a lot really of it feels just like product makes yeah what what makes a film what are what are the and i'm not talking about narrative i think we've gotten so caught up in narrative with this industry that we forget about theory we forget about what does it mean that this shot looks like this what does it mean that um to to say that this type of life is inter- is interesting juxtaposed to this type of life. Um, and I, I think it's just, it, there's been a lot of reveal to the people that weren't making it in this industry that there's a lot more that can be done to widen the pool of actors widen the pool of of writers right widen the pool of of people that are involved yeah. in this industry um that we took for granted that always felt like it was like well you know it's a really hard industry and it, y- your exact reaction was just like i can't make any money in this yeah it's like i think that's intentional i think that's i think that they want to deter you they want you to feel that way so yeah. that people can 
you know, sort of close those doors for themselves. Um, and I think it's sad because it's such a beautiful industry, you know, and that, I guess that happens when something starts making a lot of money. People go like, well, we got to make sure we keep this money for ourselves. Yeah. But it's such a wonderful, you know, film, TV is such a, a wonderful art form that the more you close the doors and the more you keep writers in a studio with executives, the less art is yeah, being made. It, it, and I think we've seen that. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that because of things like the strike, we will actually start to see less of films made by committees and more yeah. of actual like, hey, who are you? you hey, you want to make a movie? Yeah, let's give you a shot. Like, what, yeah, what do you got? It definitely is the the boom of content is like a good thing it's a bad thing because it does put people to work yeah. but at a certain point it just becomes like like i scroll through netflix now everything has that right. n everything has that n on it and everything looks it's colored the same way and yeah. it's just rinse and repeat How much rinse time and you repeat spend trying to find something to watch it, yeah and, and then when you do you're like oh man i want to watch this movie it's like oh you oh, have to rent it you have to rent it for 17.99 or you could subscribe to this um i saw this meme during the strike it was like hey can somebody help me do the budget for my feature uh here's what i'm working with and it was like director 250 dollars, actors 300 dollars, camera 500 dollars. it was like uh producers and uh marketing or whatever and it was like 250 million or something like oh. that I don't, I don't not quoting it right sure, but right. it's like but yeah i get the idea. It, yes, the, to me it always been the like the wrong people the wrong people I, and that's just from my experience in life outside of the industry the wrong people have the right money right and it's just i mean that's literally the fucking case as, as human beings are that's just like through the dawn of, since the dawn of civilization this is the wrong people and um yeah like Years ago, and I was talking to a friend of Kara's who was who is a um, film person who's much older. It's like years ago you could get a studio to buy your film. Mm -hmm. You can get a studio to at least be seen. You can get seen by executives or producers and talk. Can't do that anymore. They they won't even like accept. They want it all like in house, and it, it does become like we were talking about in the car on the way over here. Like certain shows, it's just a machine it's just a product and it's just there and you know the strike put all that on hold put everything on hold and people were like wait why is there no new season of my the show what the fuck it's like mm -hmm. well buddy because there's a strike you don't get your favorite thing and film and television i think is the most popular art form besides me i think music is number one film and tv are second mm -hmm. like it is important to you know like it's an individual that makes it a group project. It, it shouldn't be this like huge corporatized thing because yeah, sure. It's great because now when studios uh, like a 24, right, they, they got bought and now they have to kind of flip what they're like trying to attract and they have to, they have to grow their audience. And a lot of people are like, damn, like they kind of sold out and it's just like, yeah, I feel like they kind of did. But again, too, who knows with, with all that shit. Um, but most yeah, corporations really be a corporate aspect there is be yeah it's like how many t-shirts can we sell how many toys out. can we make out yeah. of this it's like right. that sucks and i would like to see that change 
but you as an actor, like you were out of other than thankfully like the non-union projects and the interim agreement, like you were still able to do some stuff this past year alone. And thankfully now the strike is over and already we're seeing like there was a shoot right next door to us yesterday. Yeah. Already full trucks and trailers and everything. So now it's back. Thankfully. Um, yeah. Fucking wild. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I hope, I hope we get back to just a little bit more of making art for, art's sake making yeah. film for film that's why sake. theater people so many actors i meet they just want to they want to go to film for the money and just return back to the theaters as much as they can because there mm-hmm. you really are forgetting about everything you're just there for solely the the art of it and that's something that i never realized until i started doing theater again but that too, every the this thing is like, oh, there's no money in that. It's film and TV is all the money. It's like, why is that though? Like, because the wrong people are making the, the decisions. I I think. Yeah. That's just my again. Everything we're saying on this podcast is subjective. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But I I do think when you when you approach art when you approach um, performing from the wrong perspective that it will sort of have a negative effect on your on your psyche on your life. Yeah. Um, and I felt this way being in New York City teaching that that I, I felt like I was um, I was surrounded by a lot of students and sort of I was in a corporate environment where I was teaching that felt very much like we're, we're promising you that you're going to get famous. Students would come there with that expectation and then their whole outlook yeah. on what we were learning was just sort of like, no, how do I, I just need this to like get me into the movies. And moving, moving up to the Beacon area, and you know, teaching. I teach at Serious Comedy now. Um, been teaching a lot, like acting and music, improv and improv. Um, I feel like I'm surrounded by people who have regular lives. They're not yeah. actors. They're not doing this for the next step in their career. They're just doing this because it's bringing them joy. Because it's widening how they see their life and how they see themselves and how they see other people. And it, it just feels so great. It feels so, I, I feel more confident teaching. I'm learning so much more about my own acting, about my own art and about people and about myself because there is that open space. And I don't feel this constraint from a corporate teaching environment or students who want to be, you know, pushed into a, a movie right out of school. Yeah, it's weird. The uh, the amount of people that they they sell the the fame, they sell the dream, and yeah. people buy it. And that's not why we like. Y- there's no you can major in acting, you can major theater, music, whatever. You can't major in becoming famous, right? You know. And why are there? I'm not after fan, and, but again, too, I do think that's like another outside looking in perspective. Like people see artists trying to be artists, and they're like, "Oh, right, what are you trying to be? Fan? What are you trying to be like?" Scorsese, what are you trying to be like, Tarantino? What are you trying to be like, uh, uh, Andy Warhol? It's like, no. Well, I think going back to the strike, we have this expectation of I need to be famous in this industry because it's the only way that you can actually survive. Yeah. Which it's I either you're yeah. famous or you are struggling. Yeah. And that sucks. It does. It 100% does. And that's something I always thought, too, for myself until I started meeting other people that have um, a huge career but also have other stuff too that yeah. isn't for the income and that's totally fine too. Um, and again too, with any 
profession, like obviously the top to go to the top would be nice. But with with acting in general, especially when it's an art form, relying on that and and putting like narrowing that point so hard into your head, if you're like looking all the way up at the top to the point where you can't even see the first step on the staircase, like you're you're gonna trip, you're gonna right. fall, you're or you're not even gonna take that first step, and right. it it is because you never know. Some people have like are you the gonna craziest... get up there and realize that there's more staircase? Yeah, you're just gonna go like, wait, what? There's another flight, <laughs> and yeah, like just don't. Yeah, I don't get. I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, ad break. You know, uh, having a lot of expectations in my life and walking up a lot of stairs that seem meaning meaningless and endless really makes me thirsty for uh, a cold, refreshing uh, liquid death. And I, it happens to be that I have uh, some mountain water right here. This can is infinitely recyclable, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Infinitely recyclable, just like those infinite stairs. Infinite stairs. So for every step that you take, crack a liquid death. Chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. Don't give up. Fuck it. We ball. Hi. Moving on. <laughs> All right, we're back from that ad break. Um, let's talk about. Let's Usually, podcasts do different ads. I like that your ad yeah, breaks will only be, be liquid, liquid death. death. We'll get hit, if we ever get to the point where actual people want to sponsor us, be like, no, not interested. No, we'll, it's going to be liquid. We'll say the copy. Look, Gatorade could be like, yeah, we'll give you two hundred fifty million. Not doing it, pal. We're going to say liquid death. I would do it so fast. I'm, who am yeah. I kidding? Bro, I'd have the fucking Gatorade thing right here. I'd be like, <laughs> after um, the game. Let's talk about. Serious comedy theater. Serious comedy theater. Improv, yeah, is fun. Improv's Musical really improv fun. is even more fun. How did you get like connected with them? Um, I they had an event right after the pandemic, and I went there, and I I, I met Chris, Chris who who runs uh, Serious Comedy, and it. Uh, it was just it felt very magical it was in a little corner room um it was just like a like a, you felt like you were in your math class it was, like, it, was yeah. it was it's in an old high school in beacon uh it's very uh dilapidated <laughs> um and you just felt like you were in like your high school math class doing improv uh they've they've now moved over to um a space that used to be a French used to be a wood shop when it was a high school. And then it was, and then it was a French horn, um, shop, I guess just for French horns. Once it was no longer the beacon high school, just for French horns. That's yeah. So specific. Yeah. W- weirdly specific, but that's where the theater is currently. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, trying to get to a, a space on main street, get more traffic from, from people coming from the city and all that. But yeah. it, it's sort of nice having this little private, oasis of of performance and improv and yeah because once you get that like, honed in you could pop that off on main street and people really because yeah. like you guys are growing for sure yeah, yeah yeah and um there isn't surprisingly for beacon not much of a theater scene there really but mm-hmm. it's start you're starting to see i'm starting to see it now uh and i think comedy theater too like who doesn't want a good laugh like i we went and i'm just like just turn your brain off and just experience this yeah, and we do, and they do the the jams every uh, Friday, and I, which I think is one of the best parts. That you know, you're not just going there to watch people be like, "Look how funny we are." That there's there is consistently a invitation to that community to say, "Come try this out. Try, you know, get up here and see what it's like, and come be wacky with and us. Keep be wacky with us." Is Let that go. how you met Leah? That is how I met Leah. Oh, 
Well, so no, I met Leah from a um, did a a cabaret in um, on Main Street in Beacon that we both sang at, and that's how I originally originally met her. Um, but I definitely fell in love with her from watching Ooh. her do improv. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, how yeah. do, how is that? How is that get like? Because I've never me and Kara we've appeared on screen together in like yeah. one project, but we've never performed live together. Yeah. And she does musical theater, and she wants me to do a show with her. She wants to. I'm like, I don't think I could do it. But like improv, I'm trying to get her to do improv. I mean, what's that? That's got to be mad fun having your having your lady doing improv. Like, because you guys are probably making lady. each other laugh on and off stage twenty four seven. Uh, uh, yeah. Um. Lady Lady Leah Valentine. That's her. Lady that's Leah her music Valentine. Stage Go name. follow her. Le- Leah Valentine on yeah. Instagram right yeah. now. Great music. Um, it's we have a very different. We have a, a very similar sense of humor, but a very different stage presence. Like mm-hmm. we don't end up in scenes together a lot. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, and when we do, it's 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 always really magical, and we're really like, oh, that was so fun to be in a scene with you. But I, I sort of love that. I sort of love that we're not like two peas in a pod, just always like. Yeah, you want to be an, an individual. Yeah, you yeah. want to sort of have your own style of doing the thing that you both enjoy doing, um, and meet somewhere in the in the middle. Um, it's it's so much fun. I I I feel like <laughs> she's just someone that I feel like I can always just lob something at her, and I have no idea how she's going to take it. Yeah, and that's sort of the joy, and that's the joy of improv, right? Again, like there's you're you're seeing what happens. You're you're reacting to the person that it's that is in front of you, not the person that you expect to be in front of you. Yeah. And that is also what makes the relationship really great. So it, 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 I think again, this idea of art influencing your life, like we've learned a lot about each other and about this relationship because of this creative space, you know, at serious comedy and, and getting to do musical improv. Um, and Honestly, it's it's the realizing how different we are in that space that really has connected us, which is strange because you would expect that it would be the stuff that you have in common or like yeah. the things that you both find funny. Yeah. But I feel like it's the more differences and the more sort of like, oh, that's how you thought about that. Oh, well, I thought about it like this. That those are ju- those are the joyful things. Yeah, there's those like the, the, the mystery like of it. So fun and so unexpected. Yeah. I would say um, there's always should be. It's a surprising. It's a surprising aspect when yeah. when uh, Leah thinks one way about something and you do, and that for some people it could be very off putting. But it is int- like, oh, that's that helps you as an artist because it's another point of view that can influence yeah your art and which is so scary to do. It's really scary to let yeah, especially other when it's in. like the person you're the closest with because yeah. like I've never Kara is the first. That's not true. Um, kind of have a thing for theater girls. I don't know if anybody, <laughs> uh, maybe Michael probably noticed, but um, uh, in the real adult world, college and high school, I don't even count. Um, and I'm sure you could touch on that. Also, having your significant other also being not involved in the things that you're involved because she wants, like she, Leah and Kara, my girlfriend, were already doing their own thing and we you guys met Kara and I met and it just kind of merged I've seen couples that um one maybe isn't involved or interested at all but they're doing it to be 
involved in a part of it yeah. and sometimes it goes a completely horrible and opposite way yeah um i definitely think a huge thing and back with having um your family supporting you having your significant other also being an artist and supporting you goes a long way because there's a lot of stuff i would not be able to do if kara didn't talk me into it or out of it yeah or just like get me going and it's also really like it's like you know it's fun and sexy but it's also very inspiring and motivating to have that person be like because if it wasn't for kara I'd be sitting on my ass way more than I am now. I mean, I'm on a couch right now. She doesn't know that I'm on a couch. Um, <laughs> I mean, could you t- touch to that, honestly? Because, you know, I, what's your thoughts on that? Like, you feel like having Leah with a serious, impro- a serious comedy, and, like, is there any other things you guys do together? Do you guys do sing together? Well, she ever? does her own. She does. She has her own music that, that she writes and performs. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, at a few places around Beacon and... You know, she has a SoundCloud, and and she's and she, but she has tons of tons of music that she writes and produces on her own. Um, that I love that I'm not a part of that world. Yeah. I love that I get, get to just witness that side of her. Mm. You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be. I I think I always grew up thinking that I always wanted to be like fully enmeshed in the life and the thoughts of the other person, but I think that's just a fear of of being alone with yourself or a fear of like not having a certain amount of control over your life mm-hmm. or how it goes um so i love i love getting to like experience like i love that we're both in the arts i love that we're both yeah, yeah, creative yeah. things but i love getting to experience her version of that mm. from an from an outside perspective and, and she you know she'll help me with auditions and things like that and so i i assume that she gets to have that perspective as well um Enough to get her on here so she can share her perspective. Yeah, yeah, you'll find out. <laughs> coming yeah. soon. Coming soon. Leah Valentine. I have to make I'll probably have to like tint the room here red for her or something. <laughs> I have to do something like whimsical and over the top. Yeah. I uh, maybe maybe that's what we start doing, Michael. Every time we have that. a guest, we just Smoke like machine. We add like a decoration or something to the room. Because <laughs> right now it's all pictures of I got yeah. I yeah. got I got your family. I got pictures yeah, of Yeah, you have family. pictures of like 90% of these and a Christmas people angel. on these pictures are dead. Um, and a liquid death. And and a liquid, and de- a liquid speaking death. Speaking of dead family. <laughs> speaking of dead family members. If you're ever at a funeral or a wake and you're like, damn, boy, am I thirsty. Yeah, thirsty. And you're thinking to yourself, maybe I could go to that weird little mini fridge that's right next to the dead body of the family member that's dead. Oh, or wait, that's the morgue. That's Yeah. No, because like. The, wait, that's a thing? Dude. I'm not going to put this funeral parlor on blast, but every time, <laughs> every time we've, I've gone to a funeral awake, the mini fridge with the water is always like right there, right <laughs> where the body is. And it's like, it's just like, I, put that I treat, else. I treat funerals like how I treat when I run into somebody at the grocery store. Like I'll talk to you on aisle two, but aisles four, eight, 12. And when I'm checking out, I'm going to pretend I don't know you because we already talked. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not, so I'm the same way with the body go up, Rest in peace, whatever. For the rest of the night, I'm not going to do that unless it's, I mean, I probably, I have. I'm just being funny. Like, if I'm going to get my water bottle, I, what am I going to do? Be like, yo, rest in peace again, man. Just in case you didn't hear it the first time, like, I just want to grab my water and sit the fuck down. But then sometimes you get warped into this, like, family vortex, like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm just trying to drink this water. Anyway, nine times out of ten, it's like a little bottle of Poland Spring, and it's one sip, and you're done. Right. But liquid death, 
<laughs> you get about you get about sixteen point nine fluid ounces worth of 16. sips 9? of mur- almost thirst murdering mountain water. They also have flavors: severed lime, thirst, uh, bury me alive, mango water. chainsaw, thirst murdering mountain water. Ah, uh, there was like up. a new flavor. It was like a red one. Uh, convicted melon. <laughs> yeah, that's like their new one, and they got those iced tea. Please sponsor me. Anyway, all right, we're back from that. Very real commercial. Very real commercial break. Very real commercial. Let's talk about something really controversial. What now? I'm just kidding. What do you got coming up next? You got anything else you're working on? Um, I am. Oh man, it's the question that every artist hates. I know. I can't what wait for you, Christmas what dinner this on? year. <laughs> like, what do you got next? On Shut my the life. Fuck up. <laughs> um. No, I mean, we, we're performing regularly. We have an a improv team called Hello Horse. Hello Horse over at Serious Comedy. Shout out Hello Horse. Um, also, I've got the the whole, the whole out on. I only do movies that have an article before. The. Uh, <laughs> the. the <laughs> it's always the. Um, keep keep an eye out for Through the Wingate. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Through, Through the, the Wingate. It's a project I've got coming up and uh, and this unnamed feature. Keep an eye out. Can't yet. Can we say the name? No. Oh, okay, cool. Miles was like, don't mention the feature ever at all. Don't mention the feature. You'd be so this upset. This is for you, Miles. Yeah, he looked. I think we he are currently the not first episode. The feature. Yeah. We'll tell you what it's not about. <laughs> no, <just> <laughs> Does he feel like it's going to put some pressure? No, I just, him, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want somebody to talk about a movie that I, it's not, it's not out yet, out yet. you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It's like, if we invited, like, any of the other cast members on that I only know them from the week we had them. <laughs> we just can't. It's yeah, like, the whole thing is just It's like, hey, so you did a movie over the summer. Don't talk about Don't it. Don't talk about All it. All right, what was your childhood like? <laughs> um, that's what's up. Now that the strike is over, you, you're you back on the audition Yeah, the mode. auditioning is starting to happen again. Back on the grind? Yeah, back on the grind. Uh, I saw you got new headshots. I didn't get new headshots. I shot with my friend Grant Lancaster, who's uh-huh. a fantastic photographer. Um, he's currently selling calendars. <laughs> Yo, plug those calendars. Plug them. Uh, yeah, plug these calendars. Uh, here, let's uh, let's grab one. Um, Grant is my uh, friend from grad school, and he and he shot some. If you go to my my Instagram, you can see some photos he shot. Uh, but you can check out his website to tabularasaphotos.com. That's tabularasaphotos.com. I will say, Connor, this has definitely been a fun chat, and as we're winding down here, yeah. Um, any, any advice that you want to put out there into the ethos for those struggling actors, for those working, those working class heroes, those people that need to hear it to keep doing it? Well, you know, whenever I need, uh, um, <laughs> you know, is there, you can just hear <laughs> yeah, yeah, I already know. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You um, can plug liquid death if you have to, no, if I that's what your did, advice is. Honestly, I was like, should I do it again? We've already done it a few times. Rule of three, rule of three, rule of three. You're right. Um, it is like, look for the, look for the, and this isn't, this isn't a uh, look for the look, play. Maybe play is a better word than the game, the game of life, but look for the, look for the moments in life where you can bounce ideas where you can bounce your life experience back and forth with a person as opposed to looking for the moments that you set up a narrative or set up an expectation um because that that is like the biggest thing that I've learned from improv uh teaching improv and doing improv so much this year is is just how important that differentiation is between like and now is the part where we do a little bit of narrative 
And now's the part where we completely let that go and have no expectation about how this is going to go. That they're both important. You do need some narrative in your in your brain about where life is going and how how life is going. But the the play part, even just in how you interact with people on a daily basis, is so so important to keeping yourself in that space where you where you want to create because it brings you joy as opposed to bringing you some sort of expectation. Very well said. One more question, and this is something I forgot to do with Ronnie, but I'm going to make sure I do it for every other guest. Ooh. Do you have a dream role, like a role that you would love to play? Like, or, or like, for me, I want to be in a Star Wars movie. That's like the dream. Mm. Do you have one for yourself? Like a, I need. I would love to be this character, or I would love to be in this, or to do this. Uh, you talked about Iago earlier. Um, oh, I, I've always want, I've never gotten to be a lead in a Shakespeare play before, and I've always wanted to be one. But uh, I, I, you know, I've done Shakespeare before, but I was always doing musicals. Anytime I get cast in a Shakespeare play, I would get cast in a musical. Um. Yeah. So, my answer then is, uh. I think there's I think there is more room for the like a, a, a more like sort of sensitive introspective type person that looks like me in film and theater mm-hmm. um, I think I'd like to play a poet one day play a poet I think I'd like to play a poet one day and maybe All that's right. why I'm also talking about wanting to do the lead in a Shakespeare play because anytime I do Shakespeare, like it just gets stuck in my head. Like I just find myself, I, I'm always writing so much more when I'm doing Shakespeare. Mm. And uh, Shakespeare makes me like really hate the way I talk. Like a film one day. Poet in a, a film. Poet in a film. I don't know what that means. Or do what you want to be like. an actual poet or just play I've a poet? written poetry, but it's not, I don't think it's particularly good. I, I And that's not really, it's more the playing of it. Like I've played mm. a philosopher before. And I didn't consider my like that I was like a philosopher, but it was really fun to like access that part of myself and access that type of person. Um, and I think I've always, I think I have the heart of the poet, even if I don't write as much poetry as as a poet would be expected to write. And that's sort of what's great about acting is you can always just pretend, pretend. <laughs> just pretend, yeah. You don't I, actually have to do all the work. You, you don't. can just play one on you TV. Don't. Yeah. There's um Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Play. I just I'm play not one a doctor. I just play one. I um quick tidbit about that. A friend of mine went to Comic Con and met Ice T and <laughs> asked him like cop related things because like Law and Order and Ice T was just like, Man, I just show up and do the work, man. You know me. But uh yeah, iced tea. Do it like iced tea. Iced tea, show up and do the work. Show up and do the work. And that's all the time we have. Yeah. We could talk for hours, but uh, nobody wants to listen to that. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure to get to know you so well yeah. on this scale and on others. It was so much fun working on the feature film that we worked on over the summer. It was very fun to chase you around the city of Newburgh and find you 
while you were <laughs> trying I to shop for a, a walk vape. that one time. Yeah, it was also <laughs> even more fun to evacuate set because we had a ish, uh, situation. Oh, and I just and took a you nap were taking a nap natural, in, in, in a in the gas in the when we had a gas leak. Yeah, um, we were like, "Where's Connor?" And then bro was knocked out. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> let's get him outside." I'm just sleepy. ASAP. Just it's also take, really nice to see you not in a red shirt and jeans. Yeah, because you wear that for like the whole film. Yeah, I know. I still have a hard time wearing those outfits those that clothing yeah from the film i wish that we can't talk maybe about. when the film is done we'll have you back because i was like i was looking at all the questions that i had for you yeah and i was like shit some of these are like really aimed at like the future and i just don't want to talk about it until it's done yeah. obviously when we well, win an oscar two. we could have you back and when we're grossing number one we're on watch mojo's top 10 movies of the year yeah, maybe. in 2025 or, you know, maybe when we just all watch it in Miles' living room for old time's sake. Who knows? Yeah, That's the beautiful thing. Do it. Be, you know what? With And to close this out with the expectation is yeah. like, I am making a movie. I'm making a movie. We made a movie to make a movie. Yeah. We did not make a movie with the expectation that we will become rich, famous, or fucking drug-addicted maniac Hollywood people. <laughs> we, I don't know. I was going to say a drug addict. to be a drug addict. I was going to say, Hollywood I was gonna say we're, like, uh, we're not trying role. to be famous, rich, or have a lot of money, but I guess that's just the same thing. Three different ways. Vocab. Uh, some people said my first episode, I repeat myself a lot. And to those people out there, get used to it, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I'll try to work on that. I'm so sorry. I love you. Connor, best yep. of luck in everything that you do. Thanks, buddy. I really hope Kara and I do get involved with serious comedy theater come take an I improv also, class i'm going to and anybody that's out there wants to take improv and they're in the uh beacon newberg area yep serious comedy theater me chris chris montakis who runs serious comedy just send an email instagram what phone number you what? can check out the website serious comedy website. theater that's theater with an re dot uh, com and buy the calendars off of and buy the calendars and drink liquid death and drink liquid death and make sure to tune into your ladies music uh, yes, Leah Valentine. Check her out uh, every third Friday at Yobo at in Newburgh. Hell yeah. Best of luck to you, Connor. You're okay. a talented young man, I, even though I don't know how old you are, and I don't want to know because that's part of the mystery. <laughs> that's part of the magic. That's part of the magic. Yeah. And I definitely think, in my hardest of heart, that you will go very far. I think you will too. All right. But let's not expect it. Let's not expect it. <laughs> but I am expecting it, so but if I you don't, said, fuck yeah, you. <laughs> <on me. laughs> All right. Peace. Uh, why did I end it like that? I'm such a fucking schmuck. <laughs>